You are now listening to Chakras and Shotguns. Welcome back to Chakras and Shotguns, episode 17. I'm Jen. And I'm Mick. Welcome back. How are you? You know, I'm good. Um, we had a little project, our our new website um, that I've been working on, flexing my, my web developer skills that aren't that advanced, but, you know, I can do a little sum-sum. Don't sell yourself short, boo. I mean, you know. You killed it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's finally up. I don't know if you guys have looked in the past at chakrasandshotguns.com. It's been our like Buzzsprout kind of basic podcast site in the past. Uh, but now that domain is hosting a whole new site that has um, the podcast episodes. It has a merch store with t-shirts. Ooh. Um, and it also has a list of book recommendations and like the links to be able to, to get a lot of the books that we've talked about on past episodes right there on the site. So mm-hmm. take a look. Yeah. By the time this episode um, is live, the website should be up for a couple of weeks. So yeah. If you haven't had a chance, go look at it. It's definitely um, another labor of love. <laughs> but Mick made it so easy. Um, but yeah, I remember we we launched the podcast and I had friends saying like, where's the merch? I was like, nobody's even like really listened to what we have to say. Why are you asking about t-shirts? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but now we have some and they were selected with care. So I'm very excited about it. Great yeah. job, boo. Thank you, sweetheart. How are things with you, though? Let's see. Busy, 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 busy. Busy all the time. We had a sick kiddo this week. Mm. Um, Some of the stuff that we did to take care of her, I'd love to talk about on the podcast another day. So, like, all my homeopathic herbalist ways. Yeah, Jen's a little herbalist. Which I feel like some people think that, like, the hippy-dippy parents are just like, oh, just put some air on it and just, like, let it breathe. But, like, no, it's a lot of work. Like, I could just throw children's Benadryl at her. And there's a place and time for that. But it's a lot of different little moving parts. So um, she's on the mend. So that's great. And then I had a reading with Melanie Esperon this week. So if you have not had a chance, go back and listen to that episode 14. Yep. Episode 14. <laughs> count backwards. Episode 14 with Melanie, our favorite medium and spiritual friend. So um, she's one of our faves. Always amazing. Um, I'm always like, how do you top that first reading if you've never had a re- like an hour-long session with like a really truly gifted clairvoyant and we always do and she tells me things and I'm just like and when am I supposed to do that um so yeah so this one was really focused on like business and kind of like what's what's up ahead for me so lots of things to be excited about lots lots of work but thankfully everything lights me up which is exactly the direction that I'm trying to go personally in life with like business and career and projects and creativity and passions and so very excited for the path that I am currently on it's so interesting that you talk about the the work right um i i got an angel card deck that was actually a gift from melanie and yesterday I pulled a card and I hadn't pulled one in probably, I don't know, like a month. And the card I got was do the work. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I got more work to do. And it kind of leads nicely into what we're going to talk about today, I guess. Yes. Yes. Um, why don't we do the breath work first, though? Okay. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So find yourself in a comfortable seat um, or you can lay down as always. And let's just get mindful of our breath and see where we may be holding some tension. So let's take a deep breath in. Expanding your belly. And let's sigh that out through the mouth. One more time, let's take a deep breath in. 
let's audibly sigh that out of the mouth. One more deep inhale. And let's seal the lips and exhale out through your nose. And now that we're a bit more mindful of our breath and we're cleansing and releasing some stale energy or where we might have been holding our breath and didn't even realize it, I want you to take a moment and just think about yourself. Getting a little self-centered today in a good way. And I want you to think of one attribute about yourself. A characteristic, something about you as a person that you're really, really proud of. And maybe that's your kindness. Maybe it's your sense of humor. It might be your legs. But something preferably internal that's inherent to you that you love, that you think brings light into your life and others' lives. And because we like to manifest these things in the physical, I want you to think of that attribute and put a smile on your face. And show gratitude to yourself for sharing that positive attribute of yourself with others. Thank you for being you. Let's slowly open our eyes if they were closed and get into the rest of the show. Thanks so much, Jen. That was great. Um, I had a little trouble coming up with my positive attribute because I was over here thinking about your legs. You know, you mentioned them and I was just thinking about how much I like your legs. So, you know, I just had to take a moment and and, and pull myself back into the breast work. But no, it was a good job. Good job. I was so, I was proud of my breath work. I was proud of my ability to come up with visualizations for this podcast. I was visualizing. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. (laughs) Today, we're still in the love and the light. But, of course, life is all about balance, the yin, the yang of it. So today, we're talking about shadow and specifically shadow work. And we were going back and forth. And because this topic is so important and it's something that um, as we, you know, dig deeper into this topic, we all need to do. The thing that kept popping into my head was, you better work, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Hence the title of today's episode. So for some of you, you might be like, okay, but but what is it? And, you know, when we started on the spiritual journey, I would hear the term like thrown around a lot, especially on social media. Like, oh, yeah, I was doing my shadow work. And oh, yeah, when I was working on my shadow. And I was like, what the what is that? So it's like shadow work, shadow work. Everybody does it. You need to do your shadow work. And that's something you need to consult with your shadow. Um, And so like, we know what a shadow is. Like, you know, our toddler knows what a shadow is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Most of us, if not all of us go to work, but what do they mean together? And so it's, it's another one of those times where you're like, I, I understand the word. It's not a word I haven't heard before, but I don't understand the term. So, yeah. Mick, what's the actual factual definition of shadow work? Yeah, yeah. Um, so just to go back a little bit, you know, you hear this term in this spiritual space and it's one of those things that, you know, again, you you know the individual word definitions. But when I first came across the term, I was like, is this some, something out of like a a horror movie is this like mm, from the craft cult. yeah like you know what i mean like i, I was like this, i don't know I'm, I'm gonna keep moving on this one this is like very early in, in the spiritual journey i was like i don't mm. know if i'm ready for that yet i don't want to open that book um 
but no so so just to kind of give a defi- definition um it was a term that was coined by um the swiss psychologist carl jung back in 1963 and i think we mentioned this on a previous episode um before um but you know it's it's not a brand new concept um other psychologists and texts they will refer to shadow work as things like self-examination or self-reflection um personally uh you know i think shadow work sounds more intentional um than kind of those larger umbrella terms um Carl Jung specifically wrote that the shadow is that hidden or repressed, for the most part, inferior and guilt-laden personality whose ultimate ramifications reach back into the realm of our animal ancestors and so comprise the whole historical aspect of the unconscious. Yeah. So we were putting this together and we read that quote. We were both like, what? So in other words... These are our behaviors that we exhibit unconsciously sometimes, sometimes or unconsciously, or it's kind of like, um, I think when we say unconsciously, it's also you do it without thinking. And so when those behaviors come to mind, when we think about that side of ourself, it brings up feelings of fear and shame. And so the animal part of Jung's definition, these behaviors are usually primitive and negative emotions like rage, envy, greed, etc., which sounds a lot like the unhealthy emotional sides of the three tribal chakras, the root, the sacral, and the solar plexus. If you want to learn more about those three chakras in particular, we definitely suggest our episodes on each one of those. Yeah, episodes four, five, and six, I believe. Oh, thank you. Um, So some more examples of kind of some shadow behaviors, you may have like a a quick or explosive temper. Uh, You could be judgmental and critical of others. Uh, You could be very overbearing, whether that's at work or with friends or with others. Um, And a lot of addictive behaviors uh, are reflections of that shadow as well. And I think when you talk about shadow and like what brings up fear or shame, I think those are the ones that come to mind the easiest, but they also go beyond typical quote unquote negative traits. So remember from the definition, these are things about yourself that bring you fear and shame, but they're also things that that you perceive as dark or weak about yourself. So you hide them. So depending on how you feel about yourself, like your own self-esteem at the time or, you know, how you were raised or whatever's going on, it can also be things like social anxiety. You could hide your emotional sensitivity, for instance, if emotions weren't valued, how you were raised, like it was something that you didn't you didn't cry, like you weren't allowed to show emotion. So that might be something you hide how sensitive you actually are. Um, also with repression, sexual repression, like sexual desires, um, I think, you know, it's something that you might be ashamed of that you can't change about yourself. Um, Mick and I talk a lot about American in particular culture around sex and sexuality and like, you know, without going on a whole tangent, just like how American children, if we were painting with a broad brush, are not taught to understand themselves. Like they don't even have the right vocabulary for body parts or um, how a lot of healthy sexual desires are often told to be repressed to people like into adulthood. And so how they don't know, really know how to navigate that and what that looks like. And so, so Something that we might think is that's fine. Love is love. Like, you know, and you don't know how to handle that. You can repress that. And that's not necessarily a negative, quote unquote, trait. But it's something that because of how you were raised or things that you might have dealt with or societal pressures that you've decided to repress. And that becomes part of your shadow. There can also be like on that same thought of... um. Like you're not, maybe you're not an angry person or maybe, you know, you don't have a huge jealous, jealousy streak. You could do a lot of people pleasing um, and be ashamed of 
how much you desire for other people to like you or approve of you. Perfectionism is another behavior that can commonly be found in someone's shadow that um, what I've come to find about myself and other people that I know who are recovering perfectionists is this can look like you're so everything has to be done just so everything has to be at a very high standard and other people around you might struggle with that. But sometimes what they don't realize is like that you're very, very critical of yourself and your own imperfections. And that's why you demand perfection outside of yourself. So um, I think part of, well, this is the definition. So part of the, part of the shadow is it's like, what do you, what do you hate about other people? (laughs) And maybe examine whether or not there's something in your own personality and how you behave that also exhibits that trait. So like I read in one example, there was um, a boss who just always was like, you guys are lazy. You're so lazy. And he would just go on and on and on about how lazy his team was. But he actually perceived himself to be lazy at times. Um, He may have even thought, you know, if he was a manager and was like higher level, that he wasn't really doing much of anything, that he wasn't a doer on the team so that he was really lazy. And so he projected that onto the rest of his team. So a pet peeve of mine is like just shoddy half-assed work. Like (laughs) you're talking about like me, me at work. I can't stand typos. If I find a typo in something in print or like on TV, like it goes through me. I'm like, how did no one proofread this? If you need someone to proofread something, ask Jen to do it. I'll do it with a fine tooth comb. However, there was a period of my life, especially starting out in my career, where my perfectionism like really got out of hand. Like it was it was crippling. Like it took me so long to put out work product to turn something into my boss or send something back to a client because I just wanted to make sure it was absolutely perfect. And so I think sometimes others can perceive me as like, she's so demanding and how could I ever meet her standards? And everything has to be just so, and she should just lighten up. But what they don't realize is as hard as I am externally, I'm actually really hard on myself internally. And it's something that like, um, I don't know if shame would be the right word. Maybe it is, but it is something that I'm kind of like, you really shouldn't be that hard on yourself. Mm. Maybe, maybe, maybe I am a little, I'm, I guess you would be ashamed. Like, you know, when they talk about if a friend talked to you the way you talk to you, would you want to be that person's friend? So I guess that does bring up some feelings of shame that it's like, you really shouldn't be that hard on yourself. You can really beat yourself up sometimes. And like, that's something that um, I'm working through. And out of necessity, having two kids and working full-time jobs and doing this podcast and other things, like I can't be perfect all the time. (laughs) I think that, yeah, what you're talking about is definitely something that is common to a lot of high achievers. Um, I've certainly had to deal with uh, some of that that negative self-talk um, and, you know, just making sure that I speak to myself more kindly. Um, but I also think just kind of going back to what you spoke about with the hiding of emotions, um, I think a lot of men in particular um, kind of struggle with that as part of their shadow. Um, I think about my my dad, my granddad, they were, you know, both very old school men. They, you know, never showed emotion outside of pretty much anger or like contentment. Um, and, you know, that was kind of taught to me as well, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the the way in which a man is supposed to express his emotions. Um, and was was that contentment like, is that also tempered? Like, you know, like on the spectrum of happiness, like you, yeah. you can't get to like glee. Oh yeah, no, no, you can't be too excited or giddy. Like that's not seen as like masculine, right? So like- Unless it's like sports. But even that is more like a, like a masculine, yeah, as opposed to like a, oh my God. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's, it's a little bit different. So, um, I, I mean, I've talked, I think on other episodes about like the limited emotional range that men are allowed to have. Um, and I think that that is, you know, connected to this idea of shadow work. Um, and so I, I think about like our marriage, right. And how like 
early on, I didn't really know how to express when my feelings were hurt. It would mm. kind of just come out as anger. Like I'd just be mad. And because that's the emotion that I had been kind of conditioned to be okay expressing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think about when we went to like counseling and like learning how to talk through my feelings, you know, and, and using the language that um, doesn't like put blame on you or like express anger towards you and like shows like this is how I felt when you did this as opposed to like just being mad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like work. Um, and I think I was doing like shadow work even before I knew what the term shadow work was back then. Um, and I even think about becoming a dad. I think that particularly being a a girl dad, um, because I think in a lot of ways it has opened me up to express a, a more complete range of emotions um, that I maybe not would not have felt as comfortable expressing with a with a son because I'm used to like the way my dad, you know, parented me, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of like that that kind of going down the male lineage how how we we've been parent parented uh for generations right and kind of that same cycle of not allowing your son to appear soft by expressing his emotions mm. uh, so there's a couple of really interesting things there because going back to the marriage thing i remember having to like mentally dig through like i'm like we're fighting he's upset but like I don't understand. And like having to like really like on the face of it, he's like, Rawr! but I'm like digging, digging, digging. And I'm like, oh, this hurt his feelings. Mm-hmm. Like we've since moved past that. Like you can be like, this hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. And when we're just talking about like being in relationship or in friendship um, and people can't get to the root of what that emotion is, it's really hard to engage with with each other because we're not we're not really saying what needs to be said or like we're just not really the other person can't understand because you're saying like I don't know you're you're saying one thing but really the truth of it is something deeper than that um and like how important that is because I think your the other person's knee-jerk reaction to anger should be very different from the reaction to your close loved one's feelings being hurt by an action that you did. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like that just helped, even though that was vulnerable for you, it very much so helped us get to the root and the solution a lot quicker. I think personally, there's also what you were saying about um, the girls being born. What I find very interesting is about all of that is that it was instant. It was like, she was like, she was born like in the room and like Mick was forever changed. Like that was it. Okay. <laughs> that was all. Um, definitely, definitely. And she was a newborn baby. Like she was just like, what the f- is this? It's loud. <laughs> it's bright in here. Uh-uh. I want to go back. My mom was eating pizza. Like, no, but like she wasn't verbal. So it's we've and we've heard men say this, you know, over and over again about how like their daughter was born and they were forever changed. And it's not like she was verbal and was like, Daddy, I want to talk to you about my feelings. Like, no, <laughs> you just got here. But I think that's a testament to how deep that conditioning is, because had a son come out of my body, it you would have been like, OK, and little you got to give it the program <laughs> it's just like you know even like that we don't even realize that the conditioning is there before we even enter parenthood yeah for sure and i think particularly for me um i'm a pisces moon and like we're like really really sensitive pisces moons like are just like known for being super sensitive mm. and like i have like repressed a lot of that over the course of my life like no i'm not gonna be sensitive i'm gonna like i'm gonna numb that um, and so I think part of this shadow work is like me being okay with having like highly sensitive emotions. And we talked about like how both of us are empaths. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is I think you you just naturally are more empathic, but also you tend to be more empathic because I've like spent so much time dulling that like emotional sensitivity mm. um, where like it'll pop out sometimes and it'll like kind of shock me. Like, oh, I'm like really sensitive to that right now. Like, you know what I mean? Um, so it's kind of like starting to, 
I guess, be more sensitive um, than it has been in the past. Yeah, we've had a couple of readings, like the first couple of times they were like, oh, and Mick, oh, he's such a strong empath. And I'm like, who? <laughs> Him? No, 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 no. I cry on Campbell's Soup commercials, okay? I'm the MVP around this. <laughs> okay? Um, but yes, it's beautiful to see. Um, we also had another reading and and like without getting into the details, but because of how um, our charts look, we actually bring that out of each other. And so I tell Mick all this all the time. I was like, before we got together, I was not out here crying and, you know, feeling all vulnerable and like an exposed nerve. And like we bring that out of each other, apparently. So interesting about how our energy interacts with each other. <laughs> um, the last one that I want to talk about that's that's also interesting to me, and I'm also wondering if this one can be um, uh, typically something you see in women. Um, part of your shadow could be hiding your personal power or independence um, to like that conversation about how men are conditioned. I wonder if that's something that like women can be conditioned into where it's like it's societally or maybe in your family not okay for women to be really strong and independent and own their personal power and like like it scares them a little bit like it scares them to take up space I'm always talking about like taking up space and it scares them to like really own that about themselves to where they are more dependent on others like taking charge and leadership but they're fully fully capable of like really owning that and stepping into that so that was that was an interesting one that i saw that was a um, a shadow behavior and as we're talking about all these shadow behaviors some of our listeners out there might not be um what's the word i'm looking for they receptive (laughs) i was gonna say they might be delusional. Um, and you're like, I'm so nice and I'm so happy and there's nothing really dark about me. Every single one of us has a shadow self. And that is, you know, if we simply look at shadow without light, there is no shadow. So without those really beautiful parts about yourself, there could be no shadow. It's all about balance. And so without shadow, there is no light. So we have to have these light and dark parts of ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I think you're highlighting kind of one of these key principles um, of the universe, right? Um, This idea of polarity. Uh, Everything is dual. Everything has two poles, Um, whether that's hot, cold, soft, hard, sharp, dull, loud, quiet. There are these spectrums that we see throughout just the the universe uh and it's fundamental to our existence here um you see it uh in a lot of religious texts um uh, most notably in genesis um the very beginning when god creates light he separates it from darkness again highlighting that duality those opposite poles you can't have that one extreme without the other um so i mean even if you just kind of conceptually think about it if there if there was no darkness and there was only light you wouldn't be able to recognize light as light like it has to have its opposite yeah it's counterpoint yeah to be able to be identified um so yeah so to mix point understanding and embracing that shadow part of yourself allows you to be better in the light so if you can unpack why you're sad like what is um what's making you sad, then you can fully feel joy. If you can understand what makes you angry, like really what really grinds your gears, then you might be in a position to set better boundaries. And so the deeper you dig and understand yourself, then that also helps you better understand others and what they're going through too. Yeah, definitely. Um, Carl Jung, he, he talks about the collective shadow a lot. And so Essentially, think about a group of people who it could be a country, it could be a culture, and they collectively have these these aspects um, that are shadow that um, oftentimes can overtake the collective consciousness. Um, so I think some of the obvious examples are like Nazi Germany, 
um, where there was this idea um, that kind of got latched onto that somehow Jewish people were responsible for the economic condition of the the, the populace in in Germany, um, and so that shadow again overtook um, the collective consciousness. Um, you can even think about some of the aspects that we see in the conservative movement in uh, America as well as and abroad, who uh, again are embracing that similar ideology of blaming other groups mm-hmm. for the uh, economic position of certain folks in the country. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it just, you can see it show up in a lot of different cultures over the course of history. So what's really interesting about that is that, um, your shadow, especially in this context of like anger or hate against others, your shadow that affects you as an individual can also affect all. It can multiply and become collective shadow, um, it can have just like a direct impact on a loved one. And so that's why shadow work is so important because doing that individual work, not only does it make you better, but you're also going to be able to raise the vibrations and the healing for yourself, your immediate family, your relationships. Um, and it can also impact your community and the world. And then even more so on top of that, I think something that uh, another an- once again another topic that we love to get into um there's a lot of conversation around generational curses and if you're doing that healing to better understand your shadow what are you not passing on in a great way you're not passing on to your children and their children and their children and so honestly like that's part of your legacy to do your shadow work too we also saw this um with COVID-19. So we all thought we were retreating into our homes and isolating, but we saw real time how every action and decision impacts the collective. So what affects one can really affect all. And it's sometimes hard to see because we're so disconnected sometimes. And there's a part of me that I guess we're disconnected, but some in some ways we're very like united into camps and bubbles. But for COVID, when everyone kind of went inside for quarantine, um, essential workers aside, of course, taking the time to, you've been like, I ain't about to get sick. I'm not getting sick. Or maybe you had somebody in your household or in your family who was immunocompromised. So you were trying your best to keep them from getting sick. We, what you were doing, slowing down when everything got canceled, starting a meditation practice, um, maybe you started a mindfulness practice, got back into yoga, you were alone with yourself, maybe you realized you were not distracted long enough to realize that you needed to work through some shit. Maybe you got a therapist during quarantine, right? That was contributing to the collective like You were working on yourself which might have raised the vibrations in your household. It You healed yourself. Others started to say like, oh, maybe I need to go work on myself. Um, it might have healed your relationship. It might have helped you better navigate a friendship. And you can start to see how that shadow work, it, though it is an individual practice, it can have a collective impact. And so we often think of these things as like very isolated activities. But what we're seeing is if we're if we're looking towards how we can increase the light of just like our home, what we'll end up doing if we start if everyone starts buying into working on themselves, you start to have an impact on your community and ultimately the world. If collective shadow could create one of the most horrific, like horrific um, human rights events in our history what could collective light do yeah i think that's a really interesting point there um i think what we're trying to hopefully accomplish is getting more people to do that that individual work so that we can get to the point where we're increasing that collective light so that's kind of one of our goals of the podcast i'd say yeah for sure um so i think that that definitely touches on 
some of the collective benefits. Um, but I wanted to spend just a couple minutes talking about some of the individual benefits of shadow work. Um, so some of those benefits include having that stronger connection with your intuition. Uh, so think about your crown chakra, your third eye chakra, really um, in, in opening those up, increasing the power there, um, freeing yourself just from that unconscious shadow uh, and that shame that you may be holding on to. Um, so that kind of gets into the solar plexus um, and really having that self-confidence um, to really embrace your full self. And I think it also just allows you to tap better into your strengths. Once you really get in touch with your full self, you can really embrace the strengths that may come from both your light and your shadow side uh, and really um, just embracing yourself as a whole. Mm. And how do you start working on your shadow side? So it's usually one of the first things that you start to explore in therapy. I think to our earlier point about like the definition and people thinking like, well, what's that? That's like this far out term, but it's, it's the work. It's the work that you're doing in traditional um, therapy with a therapist. So for the record, shangers and shotguns, Mick and Jen, we love therapy around here. Um, the reasons why I love it so much is that it's a designated safe space with a professional who is there to help you unpack and understand your full self. So for me, personally, whenever I'm swirling on something like a problem or a conflict or I'm stressed, I don't always want to talk about it with Mick or my mom or my friends. And honestly, and I think this is something that we miss out on, sometimes the people that you're talking to and venting to, sometimes they don't have the emotional bandwidth to take that on. And it's not that they have to like put it in their backpack too, but you know, they might also be swirling on something. And so it's something that I try to check in. Um, I probably should do more often before I like just start like dumping my day on somebody. But that's why I like therapy because even though it's transactional, like I'm paying for you to create this space, I think the transactional side of it makes it a little bit more free to really like be in that space and be present and actually like work through it. Yeah. I think when you're talking to like your family, like, am I talking too much? Am I putting too much on them? Right. There's like this mm -hmm. hesitancy. Maybe you want to hold back a little bit because you don't want them to to judge you fully for all the things that you may be struggling with. Mm. Whereas a, a therapist is fully trained to, you know, hear those things um, and, give you some positive suggestions and yeah. not judge you. And remember, shadow work, fear and shame. There may be things that you're ashamed about that you don't even want to talk to your loved ones about. And so for some people, having that kind of transactional type relationship, it creates this space where you can talk about those things. Also, sometimes you want to talk about the people that you need to talk to. <laughs> and so if you're having an issue with your partner or I was about to say it felt real personal there. I was like, you, you know, you was referring to me, I feel like. Not necessarily, <laughs> but you can get some stuff too. <laughs> I'm just saying I felt it right there, right at that moment, you know. Um yes. no, but one thing I just wanted to call out, you know, therapy does um particularly in the United States, uh, come with some hurdles mm. when it comes to access. Um finding a therapist finding one who's taking new patients um, who can meet at the times that you have available in your schedule. Um, you know, does your insurance help pay for, for this particular provider? Um, these are all things that, you know, we've had to navigate when we were trying to find our therapists, both individually and as a couple. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it's, I, I don't want to lightly say, Oh, just go get a therapist. Cause I know it's hard. It, the barrier can be significant. Um, so it does, require some kind of thoughtful planning to to find the right person yeah um sometimes just like even getting to the right resource to access just to start finding a therapist can be so difficult i remember i was looking for a therapist i was under a lot of work stress at the time um and i think i was trying to go through the insurance 
And I ended up calling this number and leaving a message and they called me back and they were like, hey, like what's going on? I was like, yeah, you know, I want to, I'm trying to find a therapist. And they were like, oh, this is the psych ward. And I was like, what? Well, I don't, they were like, do, do you need help? I was like, no, not that there's anything wrong with that if you need help. But it was like, it shouldn't be that hard. And I yeah. think ultimately, and I had fairly good insurance. It was like two therapists that I could go to. And when I started going to that person, it was like somebody else that worked in my office was like there at the time, like <laughs> like in the hour block before me. And we're looking at each other like, well, this is freaking awkward. Um, well, you did a talk about that person? No, we okay. did not work in the same department. <laughs> you said work stress. I was just. But then it was like, well, I don't want to be in her business either. You know, so whatever. It, thankfully, we weren't in the waiting room at the same time, but it was like, you know, she was at five and I was at six. And that's, <laughs> you know, there's also like, you want a little bit of anonymity too. So, like, I just found that to be so disgraceful. But, like, let's skip ahead and, like, you find a therapist who works at the right time, who's like at the right time. Um, you saw their picture, they look nice. You know, your good instinct wouldn't like, no. Um, and so, but it's, it's like the worst kind of dating. Like you're trying to find the one. So that same therapist where like, you know, my colleague was also going there. <laughs> the man was very, very nice. He was very, very nice. Um, he was older. So like demographically, like we did not have anything in common really. Um, but his type of therapy he got out a whiteboard in every session and would like start mapping out like scientifically and analytically, like how our brains like work through thoughts. And I was like, dude, I'm out of school. I don't want to go back to school and I don't want to pay. I don't want to pay nobody else for school. OK, because yeah, yeah. I'm done with that. So <laughs> my man was giving you a lecture, <laughs> a whole lecture. And so, like, I would tell people, I was like, yeah, my therapist gives me lectures. And people were like, what? Like, they thought he was like, Jennifer, you need to get yourself together. And I was like, no, 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 no. He has a whiteboard and he's drawing out flow charts. And I'm trying to talk about my feelings. Did he give you a syllabus? Like, did you have to? He did read? give me books. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's like, I want you to read this book. And I was like, dude, I'm telling you that I'm so stressed out at work that I don't have to. <laughs> and you want me to read the psychology book? Oh, my gosh. But since then, I've, like, found a great therapist. She's, like, a woman around my age. Like, we both have children. And, you know, it was just a better fit. But I think sometimes the barrier to entry is so freaking high. And I think that's what it was. It was like I had called a psych ward on accident. I finally get in to meet this person. I don't think it's a good fit, like, by session two. But I'm like, well, shit, I'm here. So, like, you know, we have a session on the books. Is it helping? I'm not really sure. And, like, being able to pull the ripcord and be like, no, I'm going to try again. Um, so it can be hard. For sure. For sure. Um, specifically for the fellas, um, I just want to address what I feel like is a hesitancy that I see in a lot of the men that I have, you know, in my life and my family um, with going to therapy. Like, um, there's no value judgment on you as a man if you feel like you need to go talk to someone. Like it's it's very beneficial for you. Trust me, you will feel better. Um, just take that burden off of you. Um, don't burden your wife with it. Uh, I know a lot of men say like, oh, I could just talk to my wife. Like again, as we talked about earlier, your wife should not be your therapist. People in your family should not be your therapist. Um, there's there's probably things that you don't even want to tell her. Um, so invest the time, find a good therapist. There's a great website out there called therapyforblackmen.org that I definitely want to pub. Um, it's how I've been able to find myself and other men in my family, good therapists. So check it out. Um, yeah, that's my, that's my soapbox on men going to therapy. Some other resources that we found that are really helpful. Open Path Collective is a resource for affordable counseling because we didn't even talk about like it can be like freaking expensive. So um, the sessions are between $30 and $60 per session. You can also, what I love about that site, you can filter by ethnicity or specialty. So, you know, people of color wanting to find other people of color or older people wanting to find um, people who have experience working with people in that stage of life. Um, 
or, you know, mothers or like new parents. And so, you know, finding someone who has those types of specialties can really hone in very quickly on on who you ultimately want to be your therapist. Another one, I know we see this one. I'm laughing because um, I feel like another podcast talks about this one all the time, Talkspace. Yeah. So Talkspace, Michael Phelps is a spokesperson. So they provide convenience and you're not limited to the therapist in your immediate area. So if you live somewhere that's like maybe not an urban center, so there might not be a lot of therapists, or if you live somewhere really in a really small town and you don't want everybody knowing your business, Talkspace because um, I think there are some people I saw one review where they were like, I can send them a note at 2 a.m. And like, that's how we talk. Nice. And so I think that also can um, broaden your search in a good way. Yeah. Right? There's also a lot of um, great personalities on social media that uh, offer kind of quick suggestions, tips. Um, one of my favorites in the space um, is Dr. Adia Gooden. Um, she has a podcast and as well as a Instagram account. So we will uh, link to her. Shout out to Adia. Um, but yeah, there's also a lot of other folks that are available on the social media apps um, that you can check out as well. Yes. My caveat to that would be um, find a professional. Like Adia, Dr. Gooden is a professional. Like this is what she does. There are a lot of people who just like get on Twitter and just be talking shit. So, you know. Discernment. You're Discernment. Right discernment yes um we'll be sure to put all of those resources in the show notes other ways that you can work on your shadow side so journaling i think this is a really great way um, to get your thoughts out um you can just really use writing to express your fears uh, and things you feel ashamed about there's also dream work um this is probably going to be kind of its own independent episode Um, But we're always talking about how a dream isn't just a dream. Not only can you receive divine messages, but you can also do shadow work in your dreams. So keep a dream journal and see what themes keep coming up for you. Uh, And then lastly, working with crystals. So there are a lot of great benefits to crystals. We talked about how they can assist your chakras, but you can also use them for shadow work. So some good ones are black kyanite, smoky quartz, and rose quartz. Those are all good for shadow work. And then would you work on their shadow self and it just magically goes away? No, that's not what we were saying this entire episode. Were you even paying attention? Remember, (laughs) it's about freedom from your shadow and balance, not elimination. So when you're free from those areas of yourself that used to bring up fear and shame, you're just getting to a more full, whole picture of self. So the ultimate goal is for you to be able to be your full lighter self. Like, you know, with no fear, no shame, like this is who I am. You're presenting yourself fully. However, you're not being the full asshole part of yourself, okay? Um, One thing I wanted to talk about, uh, it's a little bit of as seen on TV. Shadow work wasn't specifically mentioned, but one of our favorite shows is Sex Education on Netflix. And they're in season three. And there was a character who was talking to a therapist and she asked him, um, what makes you happy? Like, what brings you like what brings you joy? But I think she was like, you know, what's something that makes you happy? And he could he couldn't come up with anything. He had nothing. And that was because his father um, was very hard on him and emotions were weak. And so he wasn't allowed to show any type of emotion, including happiness or joy. And so ultimately that character was able to like reconnect with himself and exhibit those emotions and how he started to present this fuller part of himself and like dramatically impact his friends and family. They're like, uh, who are you? And also like, where have you been? Yeah, Jen, I think that's um, a great example of shadow work in pop culture. Uh, So if you guys haven't already Seen Sex Education, check it out on Netflix. It's a great show. To kick off or even continue your shadow work, we wanted to book in this episode with another exercise. This time, it's a journaling one. So feel free to pause the episode now and grab your favorite journal and a pen 
uh, and we're going to go through a few prompts and see what comes up. So we're going to start this journaling exercise and we want to release ourselves from any expectations and just let whatever comes up, come up and onto your paper. So the first question, what emotions tend to bring out the worst in you? Why do you think that is? Question two, how are you letting yourself down at this time in your life? How could you be better to yourself? And question three, what does freedom mean to you? All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed the episode. We hope you start digging deep into your shadow side and really understanding how that makes you tick. All right, guys, as always, um, go ahead and email us at chakrasandshotguns at gmail.com. If you have any questions, it could be shadow work related or any of our previous episodes. We will include lots of great resources in the show notes, things that we talked about. Uh, and also check out our new website, chakrasandshotguns.com. You can also pick up a new journal in our merch store. Yes, you can. All right. Namaste. Namaste.